0: hello everybody and welcome to the 320 club podcast why is it called the 320 club well 420 was already taken and happy hour is happening somewhere else today is the 8th of november we recorded on the 5th And unfortunately, we just slightly missed the bus on the news cycle with the topic for this week, that being the CUPE or strike against the Ontario government. It's still good, though, because we actually use the long weekend strike as a springboard for the larger issue of inflation within Canada, and elsewhere, quite frankly. And we relate it to the fact that this quite possibly is just the beginning. Viva la revolution! But... To the people on the interwebs, please do so without the use of guillotines. Casual listeners of the podcast won't get this, but I've seen enough vitriol on the internet to know where some folks' hearts really lie, but I digress. Anyway, enjoy. I had a better intro than that. I actually wrote something down. (laughs) Did you want to try it Try that again? again? (laughs) I'll try that again. All right, whiskey, we've got two problems this time, and here's the challenge. We're going broke, and our kids can't go to school. How are we going to fix these problems at the same time? So I brought with us a special guest, uh, because I don't think you can solve it alone. And I say you because I'm never of any help. Uh, I usually just ask questions, sound stupid, and then you bring us back home. So I'm relying a lot on you, but I figured I'd bring some help along this way. So please welcome Martini. Martini is a uh, good friend of mine. Martini, say hi. Hello, everyone. Um, Martini's a good friend of mine from work. Uh, He knows, uh, well, at least he professes to know (laughs) a lot about uh, economics and a lot about the current state of uh, economic affairs within Canada. So I figured it would be better if I let uh, somebody who's got a little bit more background in this than just let me shoot from the hip like I normally do. So, without further ado... I'm going to
1: stop you right there already. Okay. I do not have a professional background. I should clarify, I am not an expert in anything we will discuss.
0: Okay, that's Uh, fair. However,
1: it is my only hobby. I don't watch sports. I don't even play sports. You can look at me and you can tell. (laughs) Uh, I do not do really anything else i don't collect anything other than books every once in a while the only hobby i have the only interest i usually have is watching economics business and politics
0: so this is just something you're just keenly interested in yes very fascinating yeah, I, and, uh, and like you're you're kind of going in the direction of starting up your own little business are you not yes we uh, i have
1: two business partners. Uh, We are federally incorporated, though the business is not yet active. We've been trying to get the uh, programming done. Uh, We will have a webpage called Vanna Flow. Uh, Vanna being a derivative, well, one of the Greeks of uh, option pricing. Uh, And it's just simply called that because Vanna is uh, the impact of volatility on derivatives and therefore positioning on the markets. Uh, and You're
0: this, already losing. Exactly. <laughs> so, th-
1: this is a hobby. Uh, what the webpage will do is it's going to It's a shameless plug, guys, for anyone uh, out there. Uh, Vanna Flow will likely go live within the next uh, few months. Uh, and it will be a provider of some market data with proprietary metrics and indicators uh, based on volatility and market maker positioning uh, in order to create uh, strategies uh, that can benefit the retail investor. Uh, that's that's our background that's our business and as you can tell this is something i'm passionate about so i do watch financial markets business and economics very closely
0: so you take hard to obtain information that you have to pay a lot of money for and you basically are injecting yourself as kind of like a middle person that can farm it out to people who want to yeah for market data and so so market, that's, that's what you're aiming at.
1: Yeah, the biggest obstacle in the in the business for anybody is the market data. So you're trading stocks, you go through your own brokerage as a, an individual. They'll give you delayed market data. Some stuff you can get from like Google and Yahoo is actually going to be closer to live. Um, there is somewhat of a delay in any case. And you can usually pay your brokerage for a bit better data feed. Okay. Uh, that will usually cost you like something 20 to $50 a month. Uh, but what we will do is for that same price, you will get The market data that they provide, Uh, but in addition to that, we will have other indicators and metrics that we have devised, uh, just to help aid in trading strategies and for individual development.
0: How are you different than Two IQ, Audit Analytics, BoardX, calc Bench, and so many more?
1: Okay, so I've never heard of uh, really any of those, but I have heard of uh, a few others uh, that are likely more in our competitor space because I haven't. I've heard of 2iQ, but I haven't actually looked at them. Audit analytics, never heard of. Uh, so I haven't heard of most of these guys. Uh, and to be honest, there a lot of them are, like a lot of these, the, the companies that provide these, and I say companies very loosely, because in some cases it's like one dude. Uh, they all specialize in something different, uh, but they, we all generally do the same thing. So providing market data of some kind with some sort of second layer analysis that, to be honest, most people could do on their own, Uh, but it takes a lot of effort and a lot of work. And let's be honest, a lot of people are lazy. Uh, And also sometimes we can generate real, uh, real information that people don't necessarily uh, come to the conclusion on their own. So for example, what we would use uh, is something that is in the space. It's it's a growing niche market in equities, uh, using volatility as either the, uh, what you're trading itself, so you can trade volatility, or you can just use it as an indicator uh, for other market actions, and you can use that to kind of predict market maker positioning. Uh, So what would we do that is different. Uh, It's we are solely focused at this moment on those underlying kind of flows uh, and in volatility itself. There's like two other competitors that we've identified that are purely in the vol space. Uh, However, most others usually seem to fall back on unusual option activity, uh, and order flow, which is is all good in of itself, they're all just different strategies and different tools to use. We'll simply provide something that is based on volatility and positioning.
0: Just uh, taking a step back for a second here, yeah. as a self-proclaimed lazy person, that's a very serious accusation to say that most people are lazy. We're all lazy, <laughs> right? That's uh, perhaps what you're trying to get at is uh, uh, most people just don't have the time for that kind of shit.
1: Well, that's exactly it. It's time and discipline, especially when you're trading on the market, right? Most people have neither. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not really an insult. It's actually, it's incredibly hard because it's an emotional, it can be an emotional game when you're supposed to remove the emotions from the equation. And that's kind of what we're here to do.
0: Mm. Whiskey, you're sending me a bunch of links and for some reason, I'm not able to open them up. I don't know what's going on.
2: Um, oh, it's, it's, it's yeah. because my research that I do is tangentially related to yours. So there is uh, hundreds of databases that are out there, and some do a lot of the calculations for you. So maybe. Yeah. So I'm, may, maybe some of I'm looking at it now. So,
1: I see two IQ tracks, mostly insider trading, correct?
2: Yeah. It, I got a list of 50. So yeah. what each of them does That's I mean, what mean,
1: everybody tends to specialize, right? In uh, in one specific thing.
2: Um, it would say the one like uh, Calbench, they will design whatever feed you want. So if you have certain metrics, Mergent is another one that's free with some other universities, um, and uh, what it does is you can customize whatever feed you want. Um, and in fact, even even the Economist has an intelligence wing that get, gets a bit into the game. Yes, <laughs> it does. So um,
1: I'm looking at some of these now. I, I think one of the things is. Uh, Without getting into it, I don't even know the price points of most of these, so I can't really comment until I do more research on something. Well, it's
2: free. Well, all, all I'm doing here is is just a friendly friendly word is is that if you're going to distinguish yourself in a way, make sure that it's not free to a whole bunch of university students and academic researchers. <laughs> um, so it's it like some. You gotta you gotta work on that branding, mate. That's what it, <laughs> it, it, it all is. Bar- uh, Barriered entry is probably kind of low. Um, maybe you, just, you yeah. can come in without the same kind of baggage they do, and you can find yourself a niche. But you kind of want to make sure that the market survey that you're doing is is complete. And you said you only knew about a couple. Well, that's that's just the Wharton uh, list. Uh, there's more. So,
0: just take a so just because uh, I completely forgot as part of our normal intro, and I usually do this. What are we? Uh, what are we drinking? Whiskey? What do you got?
2: Um, homemade, I'm drinking my homemade butter wash rum. Oh no! Usually, whenever you're drinking your homemade brew, your homebrew, it uh, it go.
0: It's usually uh, it's either a really great night or it could be a really bad night. <laughs> Cost
2: effective. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's well, okay. Can't argue with that. I've got a. Uh, I figured in the in the spirit of um, the Thanksgiving season, given that we're kind of straddling in between canadian and american thanksgivings i figured i'd go with a good bourbon uh so i got myself a uh basal kentucky straight bourbon whiskey this time artificially aged uh i don't know decent you can get it pretty much just about any uh any LCBO. Well, it's not bad i like well, it
2: the, the artificial were they a certain, they were they aged out under high pressure <laughs>
0: no idea I'd have to look into that what
2: is wrong with you it is like, to know, it's like the coolest thing in the world now well is it is this the new thing artificially aged yes it says it right on the bottle <laughs>
0: well it says it but I don't know what that means artificially aged like you're still aging it in casks or are you not anymore
2: I think it has to do with wood chunks under high pressure
0: oh uh, okay interesting
2: In 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 reality, if you're if like you're aging in small batches, like my mine's like my stuff turns into a color and sits in there for like twelve hours, and it'll get a color. Like it it all has to do with the air ratio and the contact with the other edges of the vessel. So if you age in (laughs) small batches, you got you're gonna put it in there for a couple of days. If you're gonna age it in, in a large quantity vessel. Like a big barrel. So it's a small batch. Yeah. So like small, small batches. We should do an episode where I yeah. should make it. That'd
0: be cool. Yeah, we should, we should definitely do an episode just on whiskey. Because we could go, we could talk talk about that for an hour at least, I'm sure. I actually had one, like a, a framework kind of drafted up for how to do it. Um, and given your experience and expertise with like making homebrew, <laughs> like – on this podcast alone, you've drank dandelion wine that you've made. You've drank, you got your own brandy that you've made, your own wine. You got your own, well, you got your own, you said, is it a rum that you're drinking? Yeah,
2: it's a butter wash maple vanilla rum. What? Oh, wow. That sounds tasty. It is. Pretty good.
0: Right on. I'll have to, uh, next time I'm around in the Kingston area, I'll come by and uh, pick up some from you if you've still got any left. That'd be good and I brought, I brought, mr martini I brought, uh, what do i, I got, got for mr. you martini. i'm
1: drinking whatever you put in my glass
0: <laughs> 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 no um yeah that that's my awkward that's scary. Laugh. no uh, you got a just a good old rye and ginger yeah i don't even know what kind of whiskey you used so uh 99 it's canadian whiskey canadian rye it's good couldn't tell right on so gentlemen our kids can't go to school now um without going down too much of a deep rabbit hole i think it's like it's pretty clear what the actual problem is the uh union the cup uh union these are uh not necessarily educators but they support education within ontario like your janitors people who keep the lights on that kind of stuff is that have i got that right at least partially So you've got that, and then uh, they want, and if correct me if I'm wrong, an 11% raise. They've dropped it. They've dropped it through the negotiation uh, process, but um, um, they elected to go on strike, and it was pretty uh, majority uh, in favor of striking uh, as of yesterday. So today is the 5th of November. Uh, Happy Guy Fox Day, by the way. they uh, went on strike yesterday, despite the fact that the Ontario government uh, basically injected the notwithstanding clause and said you are not allowed to strike because you are a essential service. Despite the fact that the Ontario government seems to have dug its own fucking grave with this kind of thing, um, by what was it? They gave parents something like two hundred dollar paychecks or two hundred dollar checks a while back, and. That money could have been used to easily cost or uh, cover the eleven percent raise that's uh, that's been going on. So, yeah, they want the I guess government wants its cake and eat it too.
2: <laughs>
0: have I got it all right? Did I solve all the
2: problem? <laughs> well, I think I think let's let's uh, I'll I'll start and then uh, Martini uh, this teeny but uh, mighty um, can 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 jump in. Um, so, I would say with, let's start with the principle that Adam Smith started with that the economics theory, where money, like the money and how it exchanges hands, sort of guides uh, and invisibly guides how we, we run. We know that on the other side, if we just focus on money and capitalism, that has some detractors. And, and, and if we only focus about money and transaction cost theory and those types of things, we understand that. It's not a perfect system, but on the other end of the spectrum, pure socialism and, and co- by extension, even communism has some se- severe detractors. It doesn't balance; it's not sustainable. So somewhere in the middle of a social demo- or social democracy is is kind of what we're what we need to work with. So that's so that's your proposition. No, that, no, that that is the situation we're in. It's a social okay. democracy. So we have social social programs that you know help less fortunate people. We have a group funded um, uh, education system, which is a social program. If we were pure capitalist, we would actually all have to pay to go to private school. Um, so there's a balance in between that needs to be struck. And then you have platforms like Doug Ford. I'm pro business. I want to get the lowest, you know. I'm trying to negotiate my province like a business, where I try to negotiate my costs as low as possible while buying off voters at the same time. There's a discrepancy, uh, uh, um, a discrepancy in, in, in the in the approaches. I want to buy voters through giving, you know, benefits to taxpayers, but not recognizing that education is a tax benefit. <laughs> So right. there's a balance. So, here. And,
0: and that discrepancy that you're talking about, what it looks like, it looks like just piss poor management.
2: And it comes down to a strategic manager who's trying to manage at the at the lower uh, tactical level, which kind of breaks thing, breaks the cue of things. He needs to trust oh, the middle okay. managers in between to manage the education bit. He needs to let the unions and the school boards manage their people. But because he's going in hard. And trying to collectively manage with the unions directly, we're running into problems.
0: Mm. Martini, anything bad? Well,
1: I honestly don't. The uh, <laughs> like, it's. I think part of the problem is, it's not that the problem is not exactly the provinces to solve. So the education itself, yes, education falls under the provinces and all other sorts. But right now, the reason we're in this situation more so than any is because they're asking for one of the largest raises they've ever asked for. And why are they asking for one of the largest raises they've ever asked for is inflation running hot six, seven percent for the last year, uh, which has eaten away most of their earnings. Right. So what you're seeing is a very it's, it's an important response. Because this is setting the stage for what's going to come in the next two years. Like, federal workers are starting to have their contracts come due. They're already in negotiations. January 2023 is the federal uh, public workers union or public sector union. So, this is like really the first one that the government of any level is going to have to deal with. So, I think he's coming in hard, uh, very much partially because of his background. Uh, We all know Ford. Uh, like him or hate him, he has a background and we all understand how he works after having been, you know, in these positions before. Uh, but they're they're doing this because there's probably in my mind the thought that, well, if you get these people a five, like originally asking for 11%, I think they've dropped now to five, to be honest, uh, which isn't even making inflation anymore. But I think Coop has come down to five. If I'm, my wife usually tells me all this because she watches this kind of news. Uh, but, it's the canary for everybody. What happens here will probably affect everyone else uh, in the country. And so coming in hard now, the thought as well you have to remember is if wages increase too much, uh, this is the common conception that if wages continue to rise, if they're given all these raises and that just entrenches inflation and it gets worse and worse. So we actually have a province that is dealing with a nationwide problem they are just the first ones to actually have to come to grips with it. And their response has been, you know, quite hard. Using notwithstanding clause in this way is never, it's something they're supposed to really think about and I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can't say one way or the other, uh, cause I'm not fully watching that political side of the house. I'm just eager to see what happens.
0: Well,
2: I would add is, the- is they use the notwithstanding clause to try and dictate the, the contract. They didn't actually go into negotiations. Yeah. They actually went right to the not, notwithstanding clause to 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 assign uh, the the rates. They didn't go through proper negotiations. They said, the notwithstanding, here is your four year contract. Yeah, the, it
0: was pretty wild how quickly that
2: came about. It's already in court, and because that, that's how fast they passed it. So, negotiations. I would say those aren't negotiations. They went to right to notwithstanding. So yeah, more, exactly. Like if, if there's a wage to, to, this is where you know the invisible guiding hand is. Like if if we're trying to give people living wages, and and who are we talking about? We're not talking about the top one percent. We're not talking about the top ten percent here. Um, these people, on average, make forty grand a year. So like this is not lost
0: connection to the server. Attempting to reconnect. Oh, that's no.
2: strange. I still got calls. all right. Can you hear me? Hmm. No.
0: Talking to myself. let take a look. Technical difficulties, folks. That's all right. And we're back on. All right. You got me? I got you? So, actually, um, it's kind of interesting. You brought that up there, Martini, because... Uh, it's kind of a nice segue into the larger topic that i the the larger topic that i was getting in and so i'll phrase it more as a question and at great personal risk again uh, i do this at least every time we record uh, i'm going to sound just like an elitist but is it reasonable under current circumstances inflation the way the economy is going that workers are asking for raises or asking for Uh, a raise, let's say, as large as 11%.
1: Is it reasonable? Is it reasonable? Yeah. yeah. If I were a worker, I'd ask for the same thing. You see inflation uh, in one year, like, you know, I think September's came in at like 6 point something, 7 point something. Uh, Like, if you're looking at numbers like that, like in one year, everything got 7% more expensive. Absolutely. You're asking for 11%. So what is that? 11% means you caught up with inflation and got a 4% raise. Although it doesn't work out to be that exactly with the math. Um, it's entirely reasonable because every year these guys go to negotiate every year, every time their contract comes due, they come for negotiations and they always ask for a raise, which everybody will do. So it's entirely reasonable that the workers, like anybody who's a worker is going to be asking for a raise. It's not unreasonable for them to be asking. And such a large number of 11%. Yeah. Like, yes, because now they've come down to five, which is less than inflation to, and I'm not sure if they did five, um, cumulative or 5% a year, I'd have to look into that because that obviously changes things. Right. Um, But like they're coming back down to something that's even below inflation. So the cube is being completely reasonable uh, with what they're asking for, in my mind, looking at the the numbers.
2: Whiskey, you got something to say? I, I would maybe just add the perspective that a lot of times that the people at the lower end, even union shops that are at the lower end of the spectrum, don't necessarily keep pace with inflation. So, for example, minimum wage, since it was in, uh, it was conceived, uh, has not kept uh, kept pace with inflation. So, these are the 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 end the end of the spectrum. We're going to be more more scrutinized. Uh, we must be more uh, more diligent in how we look at the numbers year over year. We need to look at the, the cost of living in concert, maybe a five to ten year historical trend with these these workers it's, it's not just the one most recent contract we should be looking at
0: so perhaps maybe my question obviously my questions are always very poorly worded but rather than say is it reasonable what about like managing expectations because like there's some information that workers may not have that uh like that the people with decision making authority cannot provide them But they act, but like workers tend to act as if, you know, their boss has all the answers and that's not always the case. And it usually never is actually, in fact, especially when it comes to middle management, but even executive level management, there are so many decisions and so many factors that are surrounding, um, like, especially the current situation that we're faced with ourselves with regards to inflation, the impending doom of a recession. I'm sure we'll get into that in a bit, but like at what? How how do you best manage the expectations of just people who are just trying to earn a earn a living, just trying to pay their bills?
2: No, I'm I gonna jump in one more time there. I, I, I mean, we gotta be careful what we're asking these people to. So, like, I got two kids in school. So let's be be mindful: is that they're shorthanded? They're asking them to do more than tip more than they were actually asked. or hired to do. They're being mm. scheduled raggedly. Again, these are the people that you. you uh, the 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 staff that we they just get thrown at problems and all they deal with is problems the, the most complicated things that they deal um uh, you know one on one students that's the type of care that a lot of these people provide as eas um my kid my, both my kids have eas in the school so it's like we going to be careful like what are we asking these people to do are we asking them to do more than they originally intended to do or are they asking them to work more more hours take on more risk, more challenges. And in fact, that's the case. So, then we say, okay, well, we're not giving them the full raise that they, they need to keep up with inflation. So, we're just going to exploit that minor market just a little bit more. Um, are there, there's some ethical questions I'd have to raise about that. Hmm. Martini?
1: Yeah, I think he, part of uh, what you said there, too, was uh, if I'll add on slightly, right? It's not even just what uh, we're asking them to do. It's what is just occurring in the system that it's implicit that we're asking them to do It's not an explicit ask. It's an implicit ask. So you mentioned like we're asking them to deal with all like all sorts of problems. Like one thing that has been recorded is like rising violence in, in school classrooms. That's been something that we've seen both in Canada and the United States over, not like year, like last year to this year, but we're talking like over decades span. And so I think you're correct. Uh, and I would just add that like, it's not even that we're, overtly asking them to do more it's just we're expecting them to likely do more than what they originally signed up for as we're dealing with more and more of these issues likely compounded by
0: you know two years or a year of school closures for covid Hmm. yeah that's the big one um like i'm noticing more and more like the the long-term impacts and uh, of like just how fucked are we as a result of the last two years with the pandemic right like there's there's all the little uh follow-on effects that we're starting to that we're starting to take notice of it's 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 little things like kids are getting sick more and more more frequently um like your kids uh, we've we've had discussion many times at work between uh, our kids getting sick all the time and your kids getting sick it's like they're like after being kind of protected in a little bit of a bubble now we're throwing them back out into the wild and 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 all of a sudden they're coming back with some nasty shit and like i don't i don't see a solution to that other than you just kind of got to get people indoctrinated into it they got to get acclimatized to the to the way things are so there's really no other way of doing it um that's just one one follow-on effect that i've noticed from the pandemic Uh, it's like the other thing too, like you said, violence in the classroom, but I'm just noticing it in society writ large. There's even within our small community, there's, uh, our audio went dead or yours did. It died after my last diatribe. (laughs) Well, it's still recording on our end, but. I think what we're going to do is you and I are just going to carry on and he's going to take off okay. because uh, it's not working out so well on his end. Uh, and if we do start up again, we can uh, like we could try that. But I think it'll just end up being a conversation between you and I. Sure. Cool. I don't
1: know where we're going to pick up again because this thing has gone so far off the rails. So.
0: OK, let me get us back on track. Uh,
1: <clears throat> we're talking cute. We're talking about cute. And uh, I think the last thing he said was um wages have never matched inflation
0: wages have never matched that's inflation he, he's correct and he's not no he's not wrong at all like he but, usually is correct yeah,
1: but that's actually been like really the complaint since the 50s when he started there's a great graph i'd have to find it that shows you like the average wage yeah and like corporate profitability yeah and it shows like corporate profits skyrocketing whereas the average wage kind of just stagnated and that's, yeah that's really been the biggest complaint of why if you look on like subreddits of like uh, late stage capitalism, et cetera, they start talking about this is the end result. You have a lot of people now demanding more and more and more because they've looked back over the last 40, 50 years at we got nothing. Yeah. Right. Like what's minimum wage gone up in Ontario? I think when I was a kid, it was $11. That was 20 yeah. years ago. Now, yeah. it's, now, now it's 15. It's at 15. Congratulations. Woo-hoo! Right. Yay. Uh, and And he wasn't wrong when he says like, you have to be careful because like, it's it's never been indexed to inflation, but but also inflation's never been the topic of the day since the eighties,
0: right? Because right? it's never been a problem. It, it always just went up steady, two percent per year. But it wasn't two percent. Oh,
1: if you look back, like before COVID, uh, for like the decade prior, everybody was worried that inflation was too low. It was way under two percent in some cases, fractions of a percent. Is that others one percent? Like it was. Never is that a like-
0: contributor to our problems now?
1: So, no, I wouldn't say it's contributed to our problems now and that because there's no <coughs> inflation then. There's got to be tons now. Those aren't linked.
0: Yeah. Um, well, I but- mean, it, it's pretty safe to say we know what the cause of our problems are. A lot of it has to do with we used to have greater supply than we did demand. Now they flip-flopped. The demand, if, if the demand hasn't increased, it stayed the same, but supply has definitely dropped.
1: It's, yeah, it's, it's going to, I think it's slightly more than that. And I'm actually a bit of a cynic and I'm a pessimist by nature. Right. Because I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, so part of inflation is just about perception. And it's like the traditional thought of inflation is like supply demand. Um, there's more cash chasing fewer goods, right? When there's more cash chasing fewer goods, you have inflation. Okay. Right. When you look at it that way. Uh, but the way that kind of, the implication of that, it's like the consumer's fault, right? The consumers have all this money chasing goods with, with all this money. And it kind of falls flat
0: when you see the government's printing money.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's always – and we can talk about that, though, right? Because <laughs> if you look back to 2008, oh, man, we're going, we're going to go like – we're going to have to come full circle here because you say government printing money. Right. So the real moment of that was like 2008. Mm -hmm. Right. Canada, for the record, never, never did the money printing uh, back in 2008. That Mm -hmm. was the Americans who did quantitative easing, uh, which was just a fancy word for money printing uh, without actually printing money. It's just digital ones and zeros. And they created dollars uh, essentially by selling government bonds to the central bank. Central bank bought those bonds and suddenly the government had cash because somebody bought their bonds. But it was just the central bank. Uh, That's quantitative easing in a nutshell. It's much more complicated, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, what was funny is, did you see inflation from two thousand eight to two thousand nineteen in Canada? Oh, Anyways, did I see it? Even in even in the states, because that's where the money was being printed. Uh, was was there inflation? The, the answer is no. No. No.
0: I mean, the cost of TVs didn't go I didn't up. See it. The cost of like, food didn't not, go up. It's cost not like a, it. a streaming show that nope. you can put on Netflix. <laughs> well, no,
1: like no, But this was the thing. Nobody was like everybody talked about it, likely causing inflation. Right. But. When you look at like CPI prints, it never came in. But what did it cause? So quantitative easing combined with low interest rates caused a specific type of inflation. But it's the type of inflation that doesn't hit the headlines. caused asset inflation, right? Okay. House prices skyrocketed. Yeah. Equities skyrocketed. You look at any chart from – if you take like the S&P – you just take it, its, like, all-time chart. You you're g- you're going to have
0: to slow down there. Yeah. <laughs> <You're>, you <laughs> might lose me.
1: So if you take, like, the American S&P 500, which is, like, the stock index to follow, right? Because okay. that is the like, – there's the Dow, the NASDAQ, the S&P. The s and is the one. Like, watch that. That is the key. That is, like, 500 largest companies. It's the one uh, ring to rule them all. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, it's it's And you watch that one, and you can see its trends. And if you just look all-time, you'll see it has a couple peaks – uh, but once you see 2008 and you look at what happens after, you can see it, the, like the angle of its rise, right? Just increases and it starts going up faster and faster, uh, compared to before you have to be careful because like some it's, you know, gaining the first thousand points is hard, but gaining the next thousand is easier because as a percentage, it's less, right? Okay. 1000 to 2000 points, you doubled, but 2000 to 3000, you only went up 50%. You didn't go up hundred percent, right? Okay. So just watch out when you, when you talk about these things, but when you look at it, like it shows you, the asset inflation happened. Food didn't get more expensive. Yeah. Consumer goods didn't get more expensive. Houses did. Yes. And equities did. Assets got expensive because interest rates were low, and quantitative easing was printing. Mm-hmm. And when the when they tried to stop the printing, uh, is when they started breaking the financial markets because everybody got all the banks and financial institutions got drunk on that. That f- essentially free money,
0: right? Right.
1: So when we talk about like government printing money, that doesn't, that, that causes inflation, but printing in and of itself in that way. It's not
0: the end doesn't, all, all Doesn't
1: cause necessarily the inflation we're seeing. Right. Right. And now for the rec, and notably though, we didn't do quantitative easing in 2008. We did do it for COVID. Okay. So it was the first time Canada embarked on quantitative easing. Uh, So we did, in fact, do the same thing uh, that the Americans did. And the Americans also printed a boatload of money. They did quantitative easing as well. hmm. Uh, But why are we seeing inflation now in literally everything? Right? We're seeing it. It's got to be multi-factor. So that's exactly it. It's not as simple as printing more money. Yeah. And there's there's more than one
0: contributor to the problem.
1: Right. And there's supply chain disruptions for sure. Yes. And it goes down to. things just shut down. Right. And it goes down to basically like, okay, the price of natural gas went up. Right. Wood.
0: Any natural resources.
1: Uh, And what does that cause? Well, fertilizers are more expensive now. So yeah. that fertilizer, because they rely on natural gas for their creation, and so when you go through that, okay, fertilizers are more expensive. What does that mean? Well, it means farmers have to pay more to grow the same crops.
0: Yeah. Okay, that means your food's getting
1: more expensive, right? Like
0: this you, is yeah when outcome. you when you when you have uh, government policies that are uh, in favor of you know. Not burning fossil fuels and stuff, it has, there's secondary and tertiary impacts and I, and I think with that kind of decision making.
1: Yeah, and it's just an example yes. I'll
0: give, right? Just a oversimplification. So what things. here's what I do is I take what you say and I try and make it make sense for me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not saying it's the end all be all. I'm just, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just trying to frame it the best yeah. way I can understand it.
1: And so I'd say like it's, there's a lot of different <clears throat> things. Like we have hit the perfect storm in my mind of economic, political, and social
0: crises all at the same time. Uh, Tell yeah. me how you really feel there, Martini. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh,
1: but I think what we've got to do is, what was the original question that sent us down this uh, this tangent?
0: Well, I mean... About right, inflation
1: not being top of mind. Yeah. Right? Uh, so what he was, uh, the discussion we had previously was uh, wages never kept pace. So it was never really a huge concern because inflation was never, like in the last generation of people, right? Mm-hmm. You could like, from the time we were born... Uh, until now, uh, inflation hasn't been that high up until, you know, 2021.
0: Well, the cost of things didn't. Go has ahead. kind of like
1: been pretty steady. It's been steady. It's been going up, but it's been going up like minimally, right? Like you know, we all know like uh, when I was a kid, like you 89 keep, yeah. cents got whatever, vice a dollar now.
0: That's fine. You could keep up with it as you moved up in the workplace. Now, we're assuming that everybody goes into some sort of corporate setting. Where you can – your 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 promotions or your wage increases as you climb up the, say, corporate ladder are commensurate with the cost of things. Yeah, there's that. As, as inflation is slowly – but now that's no longer the case. It's not, right? Not yeah. that we should feel guilty for people who are climbing up any corporate ladders or anything like that. We never should.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and so the reason now it's top of mind and everybody's asking is, well, yeah, I mean, everything is 7% more expensive than it was last year and that's just in general. Right? Yeah. Food definitely has gone up more depending on what category of food, right? Like beef got really expensive for example. Yeah. Uh, and so that is why people are having these discussions about hey, wages does the wage need to do we, like cute do they need a pay raise that keeps up with inflation? It's like back when inflation was under 1%, yeah, didn't really matter, but didn't inflation matter. is now 7%. Yeah. And unlikely to go back to two percent in the yeah. next couple of years. Like
0: people are having a hard time just right. paying rent.
1: But then the knock-on effect, as, as we were talking about, was uh, when everybody's wages go up. Well, that's just more cash in the system, yeah. and more cash chasing the same amount or fewer goods continues to lead to inflation. And right, so economists will always argue that like uh, you don't want wages to increase in these periods because that entrenches inflation uh i actually don't really agree with that necessarily i see
0: you kind of losing me on that and if i'm being honest yeah
1: so their, their general
0: argument a lot of economists argue is
1: that in an inflationary period when everything's getting more expensive yes you don't want like the last thing you want is wages to rise because if the wages rise yeah. Everybody is getting paid more. Yes, and if everybody's getting paid more, well, that inflation that just happened, like it's not going to go away because there is more cash entering the system from all those wages being increased.
0: Okay, right? but when inflation happens, you want people to, like, you want people to be able to save more and not spend as much. Well, t- what do you try to do? I, I, I don't know. So I do th- remember back in the day the the old uh, that was it back when George Bush Junior was uh was president and there was that whole thing he's like go go shopping remember
1: that that was during the recession because the number one way out of a recession is for increased consumer spending okay because that just you know when you're actually going through these businesses more well those businesses are making more money yeah they're investing more and then investments go through they can maybe if they get uh, more money they have more collateral they can take out another Credit from a bank that generates money and that like it, it builds this process where it can start to be a steamroller of its own of just a recovery. And this is where we talked about what we touched on is perception. And that's what I actually really wanted to circle back to okay. inflation Okay. Right, now we've come full circle. Good job. So when he says go out, and you buy, did
0: it. You did it with grace.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he says they tells people to go out and buy. It's to like it's to kickstart the economy because mm-hmm. that is how our consumer economies are driven right like mm-hmm. our most of our country is based on consumption most of our economy is based
0: on it really is something. yeah uh
1: and so but when you talk about perception this is where i actually the pessimist in me comes out so we talk about the current argument that we just talked about this whole time was cash more cash chasing fewer goods okay. leads to inflation
0: yeah more the same or
1: more cash with the same amount of goods or fewer leads to inflation okay Right, because now there's more money to chase to go after those goods. Therefore, people will raise prices. Uh, supply demand balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a bit of a cynic because when I watch this, uh, the implication is that the consumer, not as an individual, but as like a group, consumers, are the ones in control of that. Like it or not, like when consumers are spending more, they are indirectly or directly causing prices to go up because the more consumers spend. The more suppliers will raise prices to match supply and demand, and right. But what I look at it as when you start seeing companies, and I think this is the this is where we get it, and this is where I wanted to circle to my example. Some of inflation is perception. Companies, we know this, and it's hitting the news, but we have to be cautious of how we look at it. Companies are raising prices more than they need to That's, combat that.
0: Inflation. Is true, yeah. Like, is there is thing. it is. It's something that I've seen. I've seen in. Um, the news that I'm, that I've been subscribing to for like the last year. Right. It sounds conspiratorial when I say it like that. It's not, um, it's no secret. I listened to like a, an independent news media company, uh, called breaking points. And, uh, it's basically people who were, uh, part of, I don't know if it's Washington post, but it was like a subsidiary called rising or the hill. You've heard of the hill. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So they used to work for the hill. Um, And because of the way that, you know, uh, major corporate media has been running in the last decade or so, uh, they decided they didn't like the decision making that was happening. So these particular people went independent and they've seen a lot of success. Uh, I'll show it to you afterwards and I'll send I'll provide links in uh, for anybody listening who's interested. It's really good stuff. Like I wasn't aware of the whole um, semiconductor issue with regards to China until I heard it from them. Because nobody is talking about this stuff, uh, like in terms of an actual, you know, a smart person talking about economics. They just talk about... And they're actually having long discussions about it instead of, you know, your, your two-minute soundbite that somebody is getting on CNN, that kind of thing. Yeah. So there's there's goodness in that. Um, I've digressed a lot. It's all good. Let's try and go back to what you were so going to.
1: I actually... I'm of the thought here uh that like there, there's certainly a consumer aspect to inflation and it's probably the largest piece of it right mm-hmm. and just the fact that there is more cash that came into the system chasing fewer goods because everybody in canada got some sort of benefits we're seeing it now they're talking about more CERB, GS- yeah. more gst credits right so the government's answer right now to fight inflation is to put more cash into the system
0: and you're saying that's which,
1: bad which is bad because more cash goes into the system, chasing the same amount of fewer goods, continues to raise inflation.
0: It's almost like right? it's becoming it like a self licking ice cream cone. Yeah,
1: it, it, it doesn't work. It's the populist answer because everybody needs uh, affordability. They want <clears throat> to make things more affordable. But that that is one part. I actually firmly believe the other thing leading inflation is corporations raising prices more than they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not to demonize their their profit driven entities. They will do what they can, and we have to be careful because the the next logical step when people start making that argument is that well, we should impose price controls. Price controls don't work. We've seen that everywhere they've been imposed. Well,
0: usually a free Does market would a free market would help govern that. Like but, people was like, well, fuck you. I'm not going to pay for what you're trying to sell me.
1: Right. And I think this is again where you start going into my now political thought. Okay. And, uh, less my economic, but okay. my political thought being that worked in real capitalism mm. i argue we're not truly like actually it's not that we're not in capitalism we're in a state now where the consumer doesn't have as much power as they make us believe i think the corporation provider supplier has more
0: oh i i don't think that's right. any secret
1: but but the whole thought used to be that will you just take your business elsewhere but if you don't want to go grocery shopping at loblaws in canada where do you go
0: if I don't want to go. to a Loblaws grocery-
1: company. There's how many grocery chains are there in Canada?
0: I don't know. Three. It's Loblaws is one of them. Loblaws. Because they own like shoppers. They, they own do? all that. So if you
1: think independent, Zares, No Frills. Yeah. Great Canadian Superstore. Food well, Basics. Food Basics is its own. Is it's it's what I'm own? getting at. So I think they're owned by, uh, is it Imperial? somebody? So you've got uh, Sobeys. Yes. Which is, is one. You've got Loblaws. Yeah. Uh, you've got Metro shit that's wild yeah most of our company like so where are you gonna go especially in this region like not to say where we are located well we're in in the pembroke
0: wider region
1: how many grocery chains are there
0: there's probably i would say of the three selections you gave me two there's two there are There's Metro in Pembroke. two Loblaws stores. There's an Independent in Petawawa. There's a No Frills in Pembroke. Both of those are Loblaws. There's a Food Basics in... Yes. Right next to the... No, there's a Food Basics in Pembroke as well. They're talking about bringing a Food Basics into the Petawawa area.
1: Uh, But when you look at it and then you start realizing, didn't they all get caught price fixing?
0: Because it's like the mafia. Right. They, yeah. well, yeah. like Loblaws and all the other They're groceries. pulling the same shit that telecommunications companies right. were doing in the States. Well, they and they, do well, they do that here they too. They do that
1: here too, right? Like, okay, Rogers you guys, and Bell, you guys have that area. We'll take this area. You provide your best service. Yep. We won't come. And we out. all profit. Right. Yeah. Uh, that is happening. And so when I talk about raising prices more than need, I'll give you the perfect example. And it's got to do with my car. I don't know if you're tracking. Um, my car is. Looks like shit. Yeah, it does look like shit. <laughs> It's 10 years old, it's got 240,000 kilometers and I need to replace the tire rod end, the front tire rod ends and the, uh, I think it was like the, the control arms and the, the control Ooh, you arms. You got a
0: Fiat? Uh, shut I up. I make fun of Fiats all the time.
1: And so what it was is they, <laughs> they came back with a quote and I asked them to print it out and they're like, okay, well, this is what the control arm will cost. And it was like $375 per arm. Oof. Okay, cool. I got it. And the guy actually told me he was not like, many people say cool. I got it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so the overall price is like eighteen hundred dollars, and they're like, you know, uh, before before the current situation, implying like you know supply disruptions, COVID. Before this, I could have done this for like fourteen
0: hundred. Okay all right so what an excuse they finally got rid of we found a unicorn in your exhaust pipe now they right. got a legitimate uh, uh, and i'm using air quotes a legitimate excuse right
1: and so well here's the thing so they quoted me like the price of the part was $375 I'm like okay well my dad works for part source and he's going to tell me how much this part actually costs hmm. so they had the part for $200 Mm -hmm. he checked using their system they they checked what uh is local in petawawa because it's not part source it's napa here uh and they the napa had the same part it was more expensive and they had it for something like three hundred and forty dollars three hundred fifty dollars so that's market to a consumer me and you but when Mm -hmm. they sell to a garage it goes at a discount to the garage
0: yeah it's like wholesale
1: yeah like you think of it that way like they get a steep discount to a garage yeah because the garage will then turn around up the price a
0: little bit and give you a profit yeah, because they, uh, they got to factor in labor and all No, labor is they priced
1: labor separately already. Labor here uh, is 105 an hour, which is at the top end of labor uh, for mechanic right now. But 105 sure. an hour? Right. You're building a goddamn rocket ship? That's how they charge. So, the part... I know, that
0: sounds elitist. Called,
1: so, they charge... <laughs> here's the thing, though. Napa, if you went there, if I bought the part myself, they would only have charged me like $340, $350. dollars mm. The garage is charging me $375, but I know for a fact they got the part for cheaper than $340 because that's how it works. They get the parts cheaper. Right. So he uses an excuse to me. Like, ah, current like with inflation, I, we gotta charge more.
0: And it normally and like, works on but, most people.
1: But but you don't. You're actually not just are you like you're taking your problem, which I accept, right? When they buy it from the part store, mm. they buy it at the discount, then they mark the price up to make a profit. Sure. But you're actually charging me a markup on the market price that I would have paid, which is nuts. They're making me pay more than if I had just gone to Napa to get the part myself. And so, what I'm using this here is that, like, they are easily able to use the excuse that you know supply chains and parts, uh, inflation. When in fact they just needed an excuse to jack up the price to an unreasonable level.
0: So that's what you're saying. This is just a small, it's a microcosm. local example. Right. If you want something, what like, corporations are doing? Yeah, just like flat out.
1: So if you want something bigger, Tyson Foods in the states. It was like forget. I don't remember all the numbers because this was like two or three quarters ago. Okay. Uh, one of their earnings reports talked about. Yeah, we had to uh, raise prices to to combat inflation. Uh, and then, but somebody went through and like all their box, they're, they're a big food provider, like frozen boxed foods, uh, in their local freezer section. And it was like, yeah, we had to raise prices and we had to raise them like whatever number they used. But when you go back and do the math, like, but in your own earnings report, you, you actually indicated that like the cost of those only went up 5%, but you raised the price by 10%. And their argument is well, we're keeping up with it, we're, we're trying to go up with inflation like yeah, but it doesn't track. Mm-hmm. Your, your margin, and they, they go through their profit margins, like your margins are bigger than they've ever been. So I understand in pure dollar value,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you'll make more because inflation right reduces the value of the dollar, so more dollars are required. So we can understand that you you made more money because that's the nature of inflation, right? Instead of $100, you made 110 because, yay, everything got 10% more expensive because inflation.
0: Uh, Isn't but, that funny, though? But like, their margin, it's, it's, it goes along with that whole thing, never waste a good crisis. Right
1: but their margins expanded which means they were making more like per unit in like relative term not even Shit. absolute dollar value but in percentage you know like so that's what i think part of it is and that's where i'm really thinking that you're right they're not wasting this crisis and i can't fault them they're they're
0: i mean if, you, if corporations. you could if you could uh, you would like would you not
1: so i think some of the inflation is actually really being caused by I hate saying corporate greed, but But it's like you said, it's
0: perception or, or it's, it's opportunizing. Perception. Yeah. Against perception or I don't know how to best, I think I got it. I think I I'm like 10 cents off the market.
1: And I think the anecdote as well in this region was like, well, lumber prices back in the pandemic. Right. Yeah. But if you went to the sawmill in town, right. The one that we just got down the road there, the lumber yard. Yeah. No, they will say like our prices didn't go up they weren't paying more for, for the raw uh, material and they're not selling, like we're not selling for more. What it turned out was a certain large company in the region bought all the wood mm. and then jacked the price up, mm. saying that, ah, it's inflation. We got like, lumber is really expensive. It, it's got to go up and like, well, the lumberyard has actually told us they didn't raise their prices at all.
0: How aware of these problems, like of this thing, this perception, Do you think people are?
1: I think people are starting to see it, especially if you watch American media more than Canadian. Yeah. Certainly the Democrats in the States are really latching on to like this corporate greed mentality that companies are raising money more, like they're raising prices more than they need. Yeah. Uh, And so you'll see it there. My problem with that is they're kind of directing it.
0: I mean, it's, it's pretty transparent with regards to like American greed has always been transparent. Yeah. Fact. What Canadians, what Canadians Especially Canadian businesses tend to do is like, "Well, we're can't, we're Canadian, we don't we don't do things the way the Americans." It's just like bullshit. You just hide behind the fact that you you like this this Canadian identity of like we're all nice people, we treat each other well. It's like no, you're, you're you're trying to make a buck. You're trying to fuck over somebody else. Like you have no, there's no difference. You're a human being just like an American. You're doing the same shit. There's. The, the I would suggest that there is a significant lack of awareness amongst the Canadian public. And if we have, uh, I would say, and not to inflate your ego any more than it already is, I know how you operate. Um, but if we had more understanding just on just common sense, like a, a, an ability to develop a common sense understanding of what is actually going on like i think there would be people out in droves in front of these corporations like no fuck you like there would be like national level vote with your wallet boycotts
1: but this is my question vote with your wallet sure where do you go oh god where, I, how are you going to vote with your wallet <sighs> right and it's this world well, i think consumers have lost power because we can't vote with our wallets anymore because oh, how many, opt- I mean, how many- you're, you're not right. You're so, sorry, you are right. While you do have like multiple options for a smartphone, right? There's tons of companies out there. Yeah. You really only have two.
0: Yeah. Right. It's either a Chinese market or it's,
1: well, no, like you really only have like two real, like there's only how many for like, like I guess you've got Apple, you got Apple, you've got Samsung Yeah. and everyone else is just kind of tacking on to either of those two, right? Yeah. Uh, in general, like there, there's some other smaller ones that don't have the same market share, but we actually don't have as much capability to vote with our wallet because who do we go to? And and as I kind of alluded to earlier, okay, you don't want to shop at Loblaws. You're going to go to Metro. Okay. But can, can they've the per- already been caught
0: price fixing between the two. So yeah. what are you going to do? Can the perception be flipped against? Like say, like, isn't this where something like, uh, is it, is it the fifth estate journalism? State, yeah. So isn't this something where journalism can have a significant impact by just, just report exactly s- like similar things to what you're telling me right now? Like bring a common understanding and then just start pointing the finger at these people and then it forces them to lower their prices. Obviously, they're going to have their, their, uh, their lobbyists and their litigators like come to the fence of the corporations. Like, oh, well, inflation is hurting us all. Like, womp womp, Mr. Fucking corporate. We're not listening to what you gotta say. Nobody is buying your bullshit. And like we would be stupid if we did. But I'm not saying that we we that's how we vote with our wallet. What I'm saying is exposure is always a, like sunlight is the greatest cure.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that right? is where journalists like that's where the responsibility actually is. Uh, we don't see it too often. Yeah. Uh, simply because it's too We're, complicated. Yeah. What sells nowadays is not complicated things you have to explain to a reader. It's got to be something that you can very simply put on a front page y- yeah. that someone can read and get a reaction out of. Because if you can get a reaction, you get more clicks, you get more reviews, you get exactly. more ad revenue. That's a big um, problem. But again, I want to be careful too, though, because while I'm pointing out, like, there is certainly an element of corporate greed, like, we can't demonize the companies too much. And I say that, I'll use oil as an example. The Americans are really going after their oil companies saying, you're recording record profits, record profits. You should be bringing down gas prices. I'm like, yeah, they're recording record profits. Uh, They absolutely are, and their margins are actually higher than ever. So they're relatively making more than ever before, right? Right. But be careful when you start really demonizing, because guess what these oil companies are doing now? They are not investing in more oil production, when you start demonizing the companies and especially as they go down their environmental rabbit holes saying "Yeah, we're not going to allow you to lease more land we're going to have all these restrictions on drilling the companies is just like cool just not go invest anymore and watch oil go even higher because we're not going to participate because yeah, you're oil. putting
0: your boot on the company right. and what it does best
1: so i think we have to be careful too about how we approach this and we This is where it doesn't work in our society, and you can't
0: put flat rate prices like limitations. Do
1: not do uh, price controls. That does not. Well, that's communism. Not only that, (laughs) but you've seen it. Like Venezuela tried price controls; the shelves are empty. Right? Everyone who has tried price controls, it it fails. Yeah. uh, Because there's a few reasons it fails. One, people will panic buy and try to get things up. But really, you fix the price of a good. The problem with that is, what if it costed more to produce that than the price you fixed it at? Yeah,
0: which inevitably and the, happen. and the price fluctuates on a like hourly basis. It's not a daily basis. It's like the price of things constant is constantly fluctuating. So that means you have to make like financial decisions on what things cost on a hourly basis for all things. I would say that's a bit extreme. It's, it is. It's, it's a extreme, bit extreme, but it is. I. I, I that's how this is where I flourish <laughs> martini like this is where I'm at um, but but that's how the Soviet Union had to operate
1: they all they had to on,
0: make decisions pricing decisions on what the cost of things were
1: they also decided on how a much daily to basis. produce of each
0: thing over
1: the next five years True. Right. yes they, they completely they attempted to to be the market yeah uh, and so this this is just I just wanted to shape that bit of discussion on inflation because i think it's multi-pronged in terms of both consumer driven supplier driven but then you do have so consumers buying more uh suppliers corporations being a little bit more greedy than they should be yeah but then there's the real the real the other like the third factor being like yeah there's like real problems in the supply chain starting Mm -hmm. with energy uh energy underinvestment over the last decade or so a couple decades well yeah decade uh has led to higher energy prices because there's greater demand for oil products right now than there were prior to the pandemic right Uh, so prices went up when energy goes up everything else goes up because now it takes energy to run that factory yeah it takes energy to convert this chemical to that to become usable for a b and c
0: well it's 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 hilarious sorry to interrupt you it's 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 like hilarious we talk a big game about uh getting into uh, non-fossil fuel burning like energy production, like let's say solar panels, the amount of fossil fuel and like we could go with the expensive uh, version of say solar panels that, you know, it didn't cost fossil fuels to burn, but no, we're going to go with the cheapest option that probably came out of China. And like the amount of fossil fuel production that went into creating those solar panels is astronomical. It's, it's ridiculous. So it's like, what is the actual gain and what we're actually getting? I may have gone on in a very awful. Yeah, if you panic. want me to go down welcome, the energy, if you want me welcome, to go down the
1: energy rabbit hole, I certainly can. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and this is where you know I talked about we we were coming to a point where we have multiple crises at once, right? Uh, and this is one of them. the The right now, it's I mean, we see climate crisis. We're talking about that's not a crisis to me.
0: Yeah. Uh, really Mike, not talking there we go
1: it's it's really not and so you're right when you say, uh, and it's sort of the double standard you saw that really in the states canada in general just sucks at energy policy hmm. uh most because of our environmental side of the house saying no but also our oil is very expensive to extract right so for anybody who's like yeah canadian oil patches we're gonna get drilling again it's like well you can say that but unless the corporation can make money they won't uh Like, I think it was years ago. I don't know what the value is now. Like years ago, oil had to be at like $80 a barrel or something to actually make the Canadian oil sands really worth it. Shit. Uh, in terms of making real money oil, certainly there now, right? It's 90 something, 80 something, and it fluctuates up to a hundred. So it's certainly there now. Uh, but, in the States, it's this is where I think it's really disingenuous when Americans are in the name of climate. We're not allowing any more oil drilling. We're not allowing any more leases on federal land for oil exploration projects. And we're going to make it harder for oil companies to get money from banks. I'm like, okay. Then they turn around and ask Saudi Arabia to drill more oil. Right. So it's it's frustrating to see that. Uh, Because that is why oil is so expensive. Because guess what Saudi Arabia just did last, like two weeks ago at OPEC? They all agreed to a production cut. And so the Americans are saying, no, we won't allow anyone in America to drill oil. We want everyone else to drill oil so that we meet our carbon emissions objectives. And they, I guess, don't. And Mm -hmm. then we can criticize them for not meeting their objectives. Mm -hmm. And this is coming home to roost. This behavior is really coming home because... Recently, Saudi Arabia, for example, just announced that they are talking about joining BRICS, which is the China led organization, uh, economic organization. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa. Uh, Venezuela is looking to join. Iran is looking to join BRICS. It is China's response to, like, the G8, for example, or the G7 now. and so this kind of behavior is leading to that next crisis. And that next crisis that everyone is, some people, like certainly many people in the financial sector are aware of and watching, but I really don't think our governments have grasped is deglobalization. globalization has ended. Uh, we will not be accepting anymore. I don't, I really don't think. Uh, you can already see it with China. Uh, businesses are moving out of China if they are Western businesses, because they can already see that the tensions are starting to rise. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are also business restrictions in place due to China's COVID policies. Uh, but you're starting to see where we used to have globalized supply chains, the pandemic, first off, when we started really seeing who our friends were, which was, spoiler alert, nobody.
0: Mm. Uh, when the
1: Americans were stealing PPE from Canadian shipments on the tarmac in other countries before no we got here. shit. Yeah, they showed up with suitcases of money and like, we're taking the we'll, we'll buy this from you right now. And it was destined for other countries like, You know, countries in Europe or Canada. No way. Uh, So we really realize that there are no friends. Uh, The Americans realize that too, realizing that most of their pharmaceutical production is in China, Uh, realizing that most of their PPE production is in China, for example. And those are just two items, not everything else that's important, like every consumer good uh, made in China. Let's
0: just take a look at one of the big ones that impacts multiple industries. Well, I had talked earlier about semiconductors.
1: So that's mostly Taiwan for us. Yes. And there are fabs in the States, but yes, semiconductors are their own issue.
0: You're not allowed to call it that, Martini.
1: Taiwan? You mean uh, the Republic of China? <laughs> yeah. Vice People's Republic of China? Fuck China. The, uh... And, and so what... Or as or as our friend likes to call it, mainland Taiwan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ah, uh, that's the, good. So what you've seen now is the fact that, okay, globalization was really like the exporting of labor, like going to the cheapest labor source, mm. right? Which was always developing nations. Uh, but what we realize is most of those nations that we exported our labor to are not really the most friendly to us, right? Right. being China being the biggest one. <laughs> uh, and so we're like, what do we do now? Well, it's become more important for for corporations, and like I said, governments haven't grasped this yet, but corporations are certainly realizing it, is they need less optimized supply chains, but more redundant supply chains uh, to make sure that if something happens over there, they can actually still produce their goods. Yeah. Right. Because if you think about it, even uh, and a great example that I actually heard about was like a toaster. We couldn't even build a toaster in Canada, and you think well, it, has got to be pretty simple. It's like, no, there's actually like very complicated like ceramics and parts that like we just don't make here. Mm. We could assemble it here, but we would need the parts from other countries. Like actually creating
0: China. yeah the molds and all that right. shit.
1: And so when you start looking at the, through these lenses, you're like, okay, we rely on these guys who at a whim will shut down a factory, mm. who due to any political tension could just say, we will cease trading in this good, or we'll put tariffs on this one, that corporations will realize they need to start moving so you see apple actually moved into india recently to start building iphones there as well seeing that india is uh less of an issue when it comes to covid policy because china keeps shutting everything down whenever there's a covid outbreak yeah but also politically because you know india versus like china very antagonistic with the americans right it's no mystery to say they are not friends uh india less of a problem right although there's still to be honest like this isn't like a super friendly relationship. If everybody's watching the political stage, like India also doesn't necessarily like most of us in the West. Uh, It probably has to do with history. Let's be honest. Not surprising. Uh, But like, again, the West hasn't the West collective West, but I hate using that term because it feels as an air of superiority, but like Europe and North America haven't done ourselves any favors uh, in that we've routinely ignored the global South. We've ignored Southeast Asia, pretty much anybody who wasn't Europe or North America, uh, or yeah, we use started. them to
0: benefit our own needs.
1: Right. So, like, is it any surprise that many of these countries are starting to say, uh, "No, we're gonna we're gonna go over with those guys," and because they're going over with the other block that's emerging, which is yeah. BRICS, which is China led.
0: It's almost I, like a like a a national level of indentured servitude, but like there's some benefit there. But you know, you know what? It's, it's yeah. like slavery taken to a whole new level.
1: It's not. It's, it's explo- that's a it's, really extreme to it's,
0: term to it's use.
1: Exploitation. It is yes, right. Uh, so, anyways, it's just because we've I've kind of rambled a little bit, but we're gonna get back to is like this is leading to like the decoupling from China. But since China makes everything, when we talk about globalization, really, we sent most of our most shit went to China. Uh, yeah, went around the world. That whole concept of globalization, but a lot of it's China. So we start to decouple. What that means is stuff's gonna get more expensive. Yeah, because building stuff in India is more expensive than building it in China, right? building stuff if you want to really so they're starting to talk about there's onshoring and friend shoring is because we used to talk about offshoring right you're moving stuff offshore where it's cheaper which was to some of the developing nations or developed nations that we still treat as developing nations mm-hmm. right uh but now we're starting to talk about two things friend shoring which is moving these you know f- production facilities and and assets to countries that are friendly or at least not overtly hostile to us
0: Right? Or, or they're not adverse to treating their workers like shit. Yeah. It's really what I'm down that. to.
1: But it's really just about where can we get the most political stability? And then there's fully onshoring, which the Americans are talking a lot about doing, which is onshoring uh, supply chains back into the United States. Oh. That's actually what, to be honest, and we all may not like saying that's what Donald Trump was trying to do.
0: Uh,
1: I don't think he realized what benefit that could have. I think it was just Donald Trump being Donald Trump. Yeah, like bringing things back to the United States. But what happens when you bring them back? When you bring things back to the United States, uh, you have a much more secure supply chain. Fact.
0: You do, but what it's going to be more that? expensive. It's
1: More expensive for all your consumers because
0: cares. it is commensurate with what the demand of the employee is. Like that's the wages, biggest Yeah, thing. you're going to pay wages. That's the biggest expense. Yes. Yes. And so that's why we start. That's having- going to affect margins because, like, when yeah. we have things like a minimum wage. That's what drives. That's what drove all these corporations to take their business offshore. Their manufacturing, yep. their all of their business offshore. Like that's what caused the problem of globalization. Well, globalization wasn't a problem. Well, not a problem. It but made shit cheap. It was some. It did made it right? beneficial to us. Beneficial to us, but not beneficial to anybody. Ask else, the guys really. who
1: got to grow the avocados and grow yeah. like anything else. They, they can't even afford the avocados that they're like, growing
0: because they're driven the price up in the long say the long running battle of how things could play out like let's say all things being equal bringing back things on shore would probably be a step in the right direction Um, for guarantees the consumer is gonna have to understand that listen shit's about to get more expensive and there's a reason for that you cannot act like you've had it good for a while Now we need to get back to fucking reality because in order for at least Western nations to be able to sustain themselves, they're going to have to do that. Uh, And if they want to uphold any principles about, uh, I don't know, maintaining some kind of workers' rights, there has to be some sort of an agreement between those who work and those who employ uh, there's going to have to be a, like almost like a new deal, like another new deal between the employer and the employee of like, listen, we need you guys to be able to take a little less money on average so that way we can get the ship back up and running because we are being out-competed by places like china I, like, I
1: don't think you'll ever get that kind of a deal no you
0: won't uh and it's because well, because we've, pay well less. we've gotten fat and happy well no
1: it, like right? you're gonna like there's no way to make that agreement really right like no. oh we'll pay everybody I, a little bit know. less but like shit's still expensive yeah so we, we can't do it that way that's not the answer
0: yeah
1: uh on-shoring in terms of stability is certainly the right thing but we have to kind of deal with the cost and maybe we don't have as much variety anymore do I really need 20 different brands of toaster? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have to like start like start understanding like the impact of this, really? Do we have to start messaging that? Uh, questions will be, do we really need to do this? Or, uh, and my personal favorite is, yeah, we can onshore, but it doesn't mean we'll employ as many people. Uh, there's robots. And the biggest that is impetus the will be when we onshore, we're just going to replace people with machines, which, cool, we can do that too.
0: That is going to be the next big crisis I think is going to be technologically driven, especially when you're talking about different employment categories with regards to AI and all that kind of stuff. Like just look at driver as an example, probably the biggest employment category in the world, just driving goods and product
1: and people around and
0: people around. Right. Um, that is one of the biggest arguments for things like we'll say you, I guess universal basic income. But like really that's a whole separate tangent. I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole. I know you you give looks. I get looks like that from whiskey well, too. Just, so. Uh,
1: <laughs> so like it's it's one of the crises. So if, if you want me to really just give my broad thought here. Yeah. So that we've been going out this while I probably should have led with this.
0: No, it's all good. Man. So I think we've
1: got a number of crises that hit us at once. Yeah. Uh, one was our financial like our fiscal policy financial situation right so since 2008 asset bubbles blew up everybody yeah. and just because it was in the states doesn't mean it didn't affect us here right the americans are so important that what happens there matters here mm-hmm. and so, like and then we went through covid where more money went through so we actually had all this asset inflation that raised the price of houses and assets so like an entire generation be it our generation uh, which ended up being you know, roughly 18 years old when the original global financial crisis happened in 2008, mm. uh, is the poorest, right? Like the generations before us were or like orders of magnitude wealthier than we are. Uh, and many people of our generation still don't have a house and still probably will never afford one. Yeah. Uh, and well,
0: you're so, going to have people in their 40s who will not be able to afford a right. mortgage.
1: Well, what happens when you're in your 40s uh, and you don't even have a house yet? Because you're retiring in 20 years buddy do you have any equity for retirement no uh and so unless you were investing in another way but let's be honest we
0: the we only way to really decisions. invest is in property
1: yeah and the thing is if you don't have money to do that you probably don't have money to do much else either correct you're probably just making it uh, and so anyway so i'm thinking like that's one crisis that's hitting us like all of like at this point it's like 15 years of low interest rates bad finance, like we should have been raising rates higher like years ago uh, before COVID, regardless, like all this policy where all this money went out and it never hit us with inflation because it was all in the assets. It wasn't in the consumer. Well, that's coming home to roost now. Yeah. Uh, and cause we just continued that policy house prices in Canada went up like 50% during COVID. Right. So that's, that's hitting us it's and people, wild. Well, what that led to is over leverage, right? Like how many people are now like taken out, have taken out mortgages where now those house prices are coming back down and those mortgages are slowly being worth more than the properties that they were mm-hmm. right your mortgage is now more than the property is worth or how about you just wait until you got to refinance this year because you took out your mortgage your five year fixed five years ago and interest rates and are loud, like
0: five percent probably six, more than that six
1: to seven maybe right depending on what you're doing uh and so yeah. like that's one <clears> there's <throat> a fiscal policy is starting to hit us we're like shit like all those things that everybody covered up, you know, decades ago of financial, like, whether or not all of our financial system is good to go. Canada, for the record, we're actually quite good, but it doesn't matter if we're good, if the Americans tank, because they will drag us down with them, uh, being our number one trading partner. Yeah. Uh, like, Canada is actually usually in a good position to weather these kinds of things, except now, when we have more debt uh, in our households than the Americans did when they had the financial crisis, which was triggered by subprime mortgages. There is actually far more now in terms of like household debt to income than there was in the States. So we are at a huge risk in Canada of a property bubble completely bursting mm-hmm. and leading a financial crisis for us. So now, thankfully our banks are much better capitalized than the Americans. Yes. So the banks may not be at risk of collapse depending on how bad it is. Like the American banks all had to get bailed out uh, and assisted. So I think that's one. Like this... Financial policy that led to runaway asset inflation, mm. which is like slowly coming home. And it has led to an entire generation not actually having any money because yeah. they've been forced to rent at like three times what the price of a mortgage would be. Yeah. So I think that's one issue that's hitting us. The next one is we are we are starting to realize like the supply chains uh, relying on potentially hostile partners uh, like China.
0: Yeah, that's probably smart. not
1: smart. Uh, and that was like, that was capitalism. That was unrestrained capitalism, uh, when it probably should have been controlled a little bit better over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, also finally coming back to hit us and finally bite us, being like, ah, oh, yeah, that that country that keeps talking about wanting to be the power in the area and wanting to counter our influence and ours being just Western influence. We probably shouldn't have been putting all our eggs in that basket.
0: How arrogant were we That's what to it is. assume that, well, all we had to do is just shut off the demand uh, with China because their entire economy relied on exports uh, to basically feed the addictive personality that is Amer- that is American consumerism, right? And by, and by extension. How yeah. arrogant were we to, to, to say that, well, we control that relationship, right? but we don't? No.
1: And so you have that. You then have a decade of bad energy policy. So, which is also leading to inflation as I've kind of led to, right? Like, Canada hasn't built an export terminal for oil and gas in any real way. Like, all Mm -hmm. the ones that are out there keep getting turned down. Uh, Chancellor Schultz came over asking Trudeau to like build one because it was in the books and all they had to do was approve it. And the government said no. That was to supply Europe with natural gas to help them through uh, the current crisis that they're experiencing. That that little
0: thing that's happening in Eastern Europe.
1: The terminal was never going to be complete on time for that, anyways. Mm -hmm. But like, we have in Canada, I haven't really used our energy reserves, right? We haven't gone after our oil and natural gas the same way. The Americans have been doing the same thing in the name of environmental policy, right? They're not investing in oil and gas. yeah. Uh, and so like that lack yeah, of investment- Yeah, we're making a lot
0: of ideological arguments, Right, so yeah. that
1: lack of investment in energy over the last decade is <clears throat> coming home right now. Yeah. Where now we are forced, where America used to be uh, an oil exporter, they are not now and they are reliant on Like Saudi Arabia who is already starting to signal that they do not want to be a part of this sphere anymore.
0: But Martini, you know they've got a great diversity and inclusion program going on in Saudi Arabia.
1: They do, yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And so like bad energy
1: policy is hitting us which is causing inflation but it also means like if there is a crisis uh, we need to be, the one thing you really should be self-reliant for is energy because if you can't do that you can't run your systems right? Your whole economy fails. Yeah. So we have that. <laughs> Who turns
0: on the lights? Right. <laughs> uh,
1: and it even included, like, w- why, for the love of God, we weren't investing in nuclear over the last decade because that would have been...
0: That is such a and big I- topic right now. Uh, it, but it's too late. It is too late. It's, it's not
1: that it's too late, like, but it takes, like, five to ten years to build a reactor. So, like, what are we talking about? Because
0: people watched Chernobyl on that HBO documentary and they all got scared, even yeah. though, like, you realize that was... Uh, like the product of a failed and corrupt system.
1: Oh, much like what we're seeing now. Was, was that Ooh. that was Russian, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. And like, I think one of the, like the other crises that uh, people aren't paying attention to is our demographic crisis.
0: We're losing a uh, dying well, population, and Canada we're also has, not getting enough people coming. Yeah, into like the Canada country.
1: and the West have an inverted demographic pyramid, right? And so it takes more than one person to support another who's out on pension, right? When you leave the workforce and you retire, yeah. it takes like two workers at least to provide all the benefits for you because you are not now contributing through taxes to the system, but you're getting pension you're benefits. You're getting, from the system. You're getting that, your medical coverage because in Canada, yeah. welcome to free healthcare. You're getting all these other things, right? In addition to just your pension, you're getting all these benefits that someone else is paying for. Mm. But right now, when you... If it takes, let's say, two people to provide for one person on pension, but we actually have half as many people below those people retiring, you know what I mean? Like Mm. We're going to have a real issue with how are we going to afford the government spending, which in and of itself is another crisis coming home to roost because our government is now more in debt than ever before. We're more in debt in terms of percentage of GDP than we were in the 90s. And in the 90s, we had a crisis of people not wanting to buy Canadian bonds. To help fund our government because they thought we were going to default because we had so much debt. Yeah. Like it's just this perfect storm. And then when you add in that now, and it's probably the reason why now you're seeing Russia and China getting aggressive because they've realized the West is on a precipice of an economic recession, potentially depression if it goes far enough. Hmm. Because literally, most of the system, it's possible that the whole, like, your real estate goes down because we're starting to see over leverage in that, especially in Canada. Real estate goes down. Hyperinflation, which is not happening. But people keep saying, I don't think hyperinflation for the record. Uh, but they're seeing this as a moment of weakness where we are reliant on China for trade mm-hmm. of most like produced goods other than you know cars, which we make in North America, of all things. Uh,
0: but well, we're, we're reliant do on Do we? That. We don't make the part. True.
1: Well, there is a rule between after that, like between us, parts have to be made here, but components that make those parts, maybe not. But I mean, it's it's, and so like they've chosen now, and like, could you imagine if China invades Taiwan in the next, let's say, three years? We don't have. Is
0: that like a real likelihood, or is that a real possibility? I think certainly within ten. Yeah,
1: Uh, and it's really up to whenever they think it's politically expedient. It's not about when their military is ready; it's when they think it's expedient. Because right now, you can see that. American economy is on shaky ground. Mm-hmm. Europe is in trouble because they are going into recession because they were too reliant on Russian energy. Surprise, surprise. Relying yeah. on an unreliable partner again. Uh, the one thing
0: so that well, will save any American economy is the military industrial complex. But it won't. No, it won't this
1: time? They, because they've already found like
0: Chinese parts in oh, equipment. Oh shit. Right? Oh man, they even, got, they even got us there.
1: So the F 35 had to stop production because they have found Chinese parts. No shit. It was in like some oh, magnet. It was some magnet somewhere. <laughs> right? And so we underinvestment because, and this goes back to actually, let's use the 2008 when uh, asset inflation. So, what happened with asset inflation? Everybody invested money in real estate and equities, but those are not productive assets. Those don't build shit for the country. No. Right? And so when your GDP is based heavily on real estate, which is, surprise, Canada, you don't actually build stuff. Uh, And so when you don't build things.
0: You were saying this a while back, actually. We had this talk about how we capture that within our GDP. We capture real estate within our GDP. And it's like, but why? We shouldn't. It doesn't generate anything. It doesn't
1: generate anything. And so when globalization led to lots of our production going offshore, we're circling back, but it led to lots of our production going offshore. So people invested in housing, yeah. equity, unproductive assets. Now you invest in equities, maybe the company uses that. They take out more money to invest. But <clears throat> typically what they do is they just do share buybacks and pay out their executives. Right. Uh, so we have now like all that, that bad policy is hitting us. Cause if, if heaven forbid China invades Taiwan in the next, you know, three, even five years, What what do we do? Taiwan makes most of the semiconductors on Earth.
0: Mm -hmm. So
1: most of our electronic systems are no longer capable of being produced. China makes most of our goods. Like books are printed. Even books are printed in China, man. Like pharmaceutical uh, products are made in China. Like the base compounds are made there. Rare earth metals that Canada doesn't mine yet but has. We've had for a long time. We just Mm -hmm. don't mine for them. Uh, We rely on China for rare earth metals to make what? You know. All the stuff in our electronics again, right? Like Mm -hmm. cell phone screens, batteries. uh, Well, no, that's more.
0: Actually, Afghanistan was the big thing for like lithium and that kind of
1: thing. Yeah. yeah, Lithium actually, Australia has lots of lithium too. That's not an issue in terms of supply chain for lithium. Uh, But like when you relied on all these guys, so if they invade Taiwan and what do we do? Do we go to war with China? Okay, we go to war with China. We can't build anything here. We can't even build the things to make stuff to build other things here oh, man. because we would first have to extract the materials that we haven't been extracting because we've been reliant on a cheaper to source. Yeah. Because we have been investing primarily in real estate, equities, stock buybacks, etc., etc. right? Non-productive things. Like, yeah. we have left ourselves – this is where, like, my pessimist comes in. Like, man, like, if they invade Taiwan, the most we can do is a strongly worded letter because anything else means – we're, we're toast, especially with them building their new grouping of friends, right? Saudi Arabia is already, uh, like I said, asking to join. Well, can you imagine if we piss off the Saudis too much and they don't want to export oil to Well, they, they
0: probably see where the wind is a-blowing now. Like, the next superpower is probably not going to be allocated in the West.
1: It will not be a European or North American, although I argue it's probably not China. It's probably India.
0: You think so, eh? Yes. I don't think China...
1: Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's possible. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a few things like that are in the way of China right now. They are in a financial crisis of their own. They're just handling yeah. it really, really well. Yeah. Uh, uh, their demographic pyramid is also collapsing due to the one-child policy.
0: Yeah, is that still ongoing? No, it is not. Yeah, I thought they canceled that. Encouraging people to
1: have children because their population is going to decline with like 200 million people and in the next like 50 years. It's, it's not. Good for them. No, uh, there's also the thought that they're in the middle income trap, which is just they're talking like they're at this current level of development and wealth, but they can't get higher because like to get higher they need, you know, certain other things they're not going to get. But mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be China. Certainly they are a threat, uh, and certainly like that is the next hotspot. Mm-hmm. The Russian hotspot has now ignited and it started a war, uh, and so this is what I talk about. Like and we'll see where that goes. We have all of these bad planning and crises or demographic crises and energy crisis, you know, lack of actual production, which in my mind is a crisis uh, yeah. in Canada, like the, and political crises being the world that has up until now been kept not under boot heel, but oppressed or otherwise exploited is starting to be like, Hey, we have the power to like, to change this, right? They, they're gaining leverage. They're gaining power, especially in the global South, which has been neglected. Right. Mm-hmm. You think about it, central and south america have been america's like backyard which they had no problem having coups in any country they wanted to, for united fruit company to have better business yeah, right the de- de- interventionism did, did they ever think that like all that bad behavior would not come back to bite them in the end <sighs> Right? And like this maybe. I don't like, think they like,
0: cared. I, I really don't like, think they gave a shit.
1: We benefit from it, but I'm sitting here being like and in no way am I anti-West. Obviously, I live here and I think we have the best form of government, society. Well, I mean and so you're
0: right. benefiting it from but, it clearly right now, just sitting on it, like in front of a microphone talking on a podcast.
1: Yeah, and that, that doesn't mean I don't empathize and understand like
0: the view of like, hey, these guys like most
1: of the population in the world has been exploited by this smaller population of the world like the combined population of us in europe is like a billion yeah everyone else you know is, the other seven billion people is either 6 in, people on
0: the planet either somewhere between the middle and the far east right yeah so all that
1: coming they home hate I, this, those terms this is too, why the they do i wouldn't use them
0: no no uh, those are terms generated by uh united kingdom colonialism it's so, like I
1: said, we kind of veered off of, like some economic yeah. stuff and talking politics, but like it all, it all.
0: But it, makes, but it, but it, it is all together. intertwined. It is all and, intertwined. It was something that I was gonna like segue into because you did have a good segue in there in terms of like what the Canadian government is currently trying to do in terms of triggering a not necessarily the Canadian government but the Bank of Canada and triggering a recession early because um, you have spoken about that in uh, in our in our talks like in our private talks that kind of thing oh, okay. uh, and 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 like i you could go ahead and expand on that if you want but really i guess so here's here, this is something i probably should have told you at the start like before we even hit the record button but like we go through this thing where we we, we consider ourselves like a very community focused kind of like podcast right our goal is to educate and inspire now you've done a whole lot of education <laughs> right now mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's this there's this pessim i'm not saying you need to put on rose colored glasses like but there is something that like what if we were to tell people within our community like what should they be doing like what is something that they could do or or
1: honestly just pay attention more yeah That's really once you educate yourself, like, and I'm by no means an expert, right? Like, this is just a hobby. But how would you know where to look? Right. Start with what interests you. Fair enough. First off,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, But like, just start reading a new, like, read, read more, and don't just read like the
0: headlines. Because it took like for me, it's a lot of study. In the age of Netflix and chill, is that really a viable solution, Martini? Yeah. It's and it depends what you want. Like, what are you getting
1: ready for, right? So, if you wanted me to circle back, like. All we've just discussed is why I think inflation, as I kind of said before, is not going to go to 2% anytime yeah. soon. We're like, and they're already talking in the States about the new inflation target being 4%. Could you yeah. imagine? So, when we were going through like university and the workplace right now, yeah. up until COVID, inflation was under 2%, oftentimes yeah. under one. Yeah. Talk about 4% being the norm. <clears throat> and that's going to be because we have to do things like onshore, get more, yeah. more supply chain secure. So, if you want to talk about preparing for that, yeah. Right. Well, you got to start thinking about where your money is going to be put. Because if inflation is 4%, you are losing that much money every year if it just sits in your bank account. Yeah. Right, so we want to talk about like how do we handle on the financial side? Learn a little bit about money. Because we don't.
0: You don't learn it in school. People don't know, right? And like, so, people don't know. Under, uh, and and I'm just as guilty of this. Like, my wife will tell you, <laughs> um, like the difference between, like, breaking even, having profit, or going under, and like, like where does debt fit within all that and all that kind of stuff, right? No, you're. I I see kind of what you're saying, where you're going. But with the that. best
1: part about an inflationary environment is you know you'll, you have to have some money to begin with
0: mm. uh,
1: having debt is better in an inflationary environment really yes why because your debt becomes less and less this is this is where people talk about the governments don't really want to crush inflation if I took out a hundred thousand dollar loan but inflation is ten percent as a relative value of dollars that's actually get yeah, it that that hundred thousand is worth less and less Let's make it a smaller. one. It's a hundred, take a hundred dollar loan. Yes. Okay. But next year it takes $110 to buy what a hundred dollars would buy.
0: Okay. Right? I see what you're saying.
1: But that hundred dollar loan is now smaller. Like as a, when you look at it in that perspective. Right. And that's what governments want to do is they inflate the debt away is commonly what people are discussing. Like governments don't actually want to tackle inflation. Mm-hmm. They want to inflate the debt away because if their debt is uh, you know, $10 billion, but they can run inflation hot, which means there's more money in this. Like, there's, there's going to be more dollars is, in this. Is system.
0: that where this comes into play, like printing money type things? Kind is, of. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's why a lot of people discuss like there's actually no impetus for government. Like, there's a political and social impetus for them to fight inflation because it's not popular. Yes. But they actually want inflation because it makes all that debt smaller. It makes it easier to pay off the debt because 10 years from now, instead of receiving $100 in let's say tax revenue, mm. they received 120, but their debt was still $100. You see what I'm getting at, like they, yeah. can, they can now, because inflation has made the dollar worth less, therefore you get more dollars, but mm. they are worth less, but your debt is fixed, your debt was fixed at that, you know, $100 price, mm-hmm. and it's not changing relative, it is factually $100, and that is how, some inflation, like inflation, if you are going to take out debt, it's helpful because your debt becomes less and less, your asset will go up. So if you bought a house in an inflationary environment, notwithstanding interest rates collapsing house prices, mm-hmm. but if you bought a house and inflation, uh inflation, let's say was 10% a year, who cares, whatever. Inflation was 10% a year. Your house went up by 10% value, hmm. but the mortgage you took out didn't change. Hmm. Interesting. Right. So it's actually you kind of want inflation if you want to own assets and take out debt, and this is why. But you're I mean, wealthy. tell
0: that to the right. And no, person. it doesn't
1: help. It does not help. you. Yeah. it helps the wealthy, right? The that- wealthy love inflationary environments because their assets become worth more, wow. and they can lever lever up and take out more debt,
0: and they can use inflation as an excuse to sure charge extra.
1: Yeah,
0: right. And so it depends, like, what are you Nobody for certain- is going to credibly make a argument defending the wealthy nope. on those grounds. You, you, What you're saying is factual, but nobody's going to come to the defense of those who have versus those who do no, not have. No, absolutely not. No, not ever.
1: But that's what I mean. Like the wealthy want inflation. They absolutely want it. It benefits them. Uh, so when you're asking, like, what can people do to prepare? So if you're preparing for an inflationary environment –
0: I get a better question. Put your for money you.
1: somewhere where it generates
0: yield. Okay.
1: If you are concerned that interest rates are going incredibly high yeah. and the economy is going to collapse, then what you could do is like still put it somewhere it generates yield, but don't go into an asset like real estate or equities. Maybe just get a GIC from a bank. If I'm not giving financial advice, I should say no financial advice. Uh, I'm not a qualified financial advisor. But if like this is what you're talking about is how are people dealing with inflation or economic crisis? If you want to talk about how we deal with like the political crisis, like mm. man, like this is where I can't be an optimist because when I look on both sides of our political spectrum, nobody's trying to address these real problems. They're just yeah. window dressing, right? Current government's right. giving it's
0: all. Of- it's all yeah. It's uh, it's uh, smoke and mirrors. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. If you wanted a recommendation for what our government should do.
0: Well, I got actually I got a better question for you. How do we relate this back to Coupe?
1: Well, that's exactly it though. The, the crux of what we've been talking about is the current economic and financial situation of people and nation. Yeah. Right. And so how do we relate it back? Like, they are the microcosm of what is happening here. Right. Right? So they will ask for a raise. I think they are justified in asking for a raise. Mm-hmm. Government does not. Government has two reasons not to. One, it gives other people ideas to ask for raises. But two, yeah, now
0: we got to start feeding the neighborhood. Is basically the way that government is approaching it,
1: right? Two, the government can't spend much more money, right? No, like
0: they're also Cause now you have to just inject more money, and it's going to increase well, inflation.
1: Governments are already heavily in debt, so what's the answer? Yeah, they have to cut back spending, but they don't want to cut back spending because that loses votes. Right? Could you imagine if federal government just came in and said, all right, guys, we're balancing the books today. That so means- much for all
0: that good governance. Right. Well, the, yeah, fact. Uh, <laughs> because the, they'd have
1: to come out and be like, okay, we are going to balance the budget now. How many people No, no. If- no, no,
0: Martini. The budget will balance, balance itself. itself. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Like that won't win Oh votes. man, did that ever backfire? Like, <laughs> oh.
1: yeah, you, you will lose, right? He's like, uh, we're going to get rid of status of women Canada. We find that that's just, uh, we're funding money into that org. Like we have to cut somewhere and they're being cut. Right. You think you're going to win the next election, mm. right? Or at least the politically social uproar. Yeah. Like, cutting something like that. I'm using it as an example just because that's one that came out uh, in my head. Uh, and so, like, it, it all circles back to Q because. Poor financial policy, poor government policy, economic mm-hmm. policy over the last couple decades has led us to this exact spot. Yeah. Right? And the question becomes, who bears the cost? Who is responsible? Are we going to make workers who are at the, re- the receiving end of inflation, people who are making the <laughs> least, right? Like some of the guys that people in CUPE are making barely above minimum wage. Yeah, uh, Should they suffer? because of poor government policy over the last couple decades.
0: Well, ultimately we're all going to normally what's what, what normally what's going to happen, normally what has happened and normally, and I anticipate this is again, what's probably going to happen is the taxpayer is going to suffer, but perhaps there is no other way out of it. The taxpayer will always have to suffer. Now, the question then becomes: How do we prevent this bullshit from happening again? If if the taxpayer is going to bail us out, right? If you and I and every other person paying taxes is going to bail us out of this bullshit, um, at what point do like? Where do we actually get good, good governance? Because we haven't had it. So I we ask, know that, right?
1: How is the taxpayer bailing out the government? I don't know. Because we already put increa- taxes. we
0: increase taxes. We that's increase. one measure. So but increase, that that'll lose votes. You increase taxes
1: on people who are already like stretched. Of course, right? Like the middle class is starting to be. Become- so
0: it's not even an option at this point. No. You cut programs. Yeah, that's the only way. Other way of doing it: cut like current government spending, but. Like, so then, then maybe that's your answer. We do not have a government in play that is willing to spend period. Like we just, we make that our rule as the taxpayer. It's like, I'm sorry, you guys got us into this spot with your just like money, 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 money everywhere. And no, we're not putting up with this shit anymore because now you have hurt us. So how about go fuck yourself this is how I vote with my wallet. So I think the problem is just, or I just vote.
1: The, the problem here is twofold though. Uh, one, how, like we can't, like we're only, we're only able to vote for the people who run, right? Or vote for the parties that run. And so we first tend off, to
0: get equal bulls of shit running.
1: Right. So we don't actually have the ability to tell them to do this. No, we don't. Uh, but also, when it comes to like the, uh, I lost my train of thought, because uh, it was triggered by the first half of what you said. But like, how do we, what do we as we as taxpayers, like as the people, can't just come up and be like,
0: spend your money? No, there's it. no. It's not. I'm not advocating for like revolution or anything. No, like no. But it's, because, but that is eventually what will happen. It'll be it'll be a misguided revolution. Based on a lack of information and a lack of common understanding and it'll be all over the place and it'll turn into a big bloody mess.
1: That was my my first part. So it's easy to say like, oh, we as the people should come up and tell them we demand that you stop spending. But most people won't. Not even that. Most people won't even know.
0: There's that. But most people don't even fucking know. Yeah. True. Like there's so much. And it's not willful, but it's just there's ignorance. People just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Right. Like, I wouldn't know any of the shit if I didn't make friends with people like you. Like, that's that's just a fact. So, this is where, I mean, I keep going back to that fifth estate piece where, like, that's this should be a responsibility to communicate what the fuck is actually going on.
1: No, don't want to go down the rabbit hole. I know. I know. I'm sorry. And media, I'm sorry. Journalism media has just become. Two seconds sound bites to to get Admin. well. It's become
0: more propaganda arm of of, of government or or anti propaganda against propaganda against government. It's, so, it's it's just you're just favoring teams. Nobody is actually favoring the the voter or the consumer. It's just there's just ideological teams that are played. But that's a whole separate other thing. We'll, yeah. that's a rabbit hole. That is we've we've discussed it before. That is a very deep rabbit hole. The so yeah, it's uh, we've been, been at can't. this for about ninety minutes, I know. And, and and in addition, almost two hours. Let's put it that way. So
1: I just want to make sure, like, we can we tie this off in a bow. So like, rec- like we we had two things that you really wanted to get to, like, what could people do going forward? Which I think we kind of addressed on a financial side, like, get a hold of your finances because this is not going to be pretty for the next few years mm-hmm. uh, when governments say inflation will go back down. Understand
0: how how your money like, works.
1: Yeah. Like inflation will go back down. To, I don't think it's going to zero. Even if it does go to zero, remember shit's not getting cheaper. It's That's just right. not getting expensive. That's We're right. not getting more expensive. So yeah. take control of your finances, understand how money works a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, because you need your money to make money for you right now. Yeah. Otherwise at 4% inflation, you're losing that much every year. Uh, on the financial side, if you want to help like on the global macro political side, uh, Tr- we got to try to get more people who are <clears throat> common sensical in government so if you think that's you like try to get out there and run and make a difference because the current thought processes of our governments are too short term
0: keep uh, your message if you are one of those people keep your message simple and easily digestible and uh, and like the more the more complex you make it the more other your op- opponents will be, you're giving power to your opponents to dilute your point.
1: Yeah. And then to circle you back to, to cube, uh, what is it? Like, what does all this mean in terms of cube? Like they are the microcosm. They are the first big union to negotiate with government after having gone through a year of inflation at six or 7%. Yeah. Uh, And it will be very telling now, knowing this government is conservative uh, and knowing who the current premier is. Uh, mm-hmm. It may not be necessarily indicative of the rest of Canada, but it yeah. is certainly something to watch. Uh, and because those people who are striking right now, they are generally some of the lower paid people in Canada. Yeah. Uh, and pay attention to the pain they are in, oh. because this this is the stuff revolutions are made from. Yeah. And so this is... Uh, this is what to pay this just pay attention to that and i think cube is just the microcosm and it's the shape of things to come everyone is going to be fighting it's
0: fascinating you put it that way because like it's the stuff that revolutions are shaped from because like everybody's always shocked and surprised when an actual revolution breaks out but like there's all these indicators And it takes place over years and years. And then what just happens is there's just that one straw that breaks the camel's back. There's that one little thing that just – it's a catalyst. And it just – but but the thing is it's not the one little thing. It's several little catalysts that happened along the way that nobody really paid attention to because they just – it was still status quo at that point. But then something really bad happened and then all of a sudden like there's just – I for Latin, I know I know I'm sounding hyperbolic, but it's it's blood in the streets. That's what it ends yeah, up leading into. I'm not saying it's going in that direction, but if we're not careful, it could. And revolution could.
1: doesn't mean like a bloody it could just be a political revolution where new new ideology and thought sweeps in under like uh, sweeps into government behind this wave of support for a, a new paradigm right it doesn't mean like a bloody revolution in the streets it just means
0: the new deal a radical was, shift the new deal in the states during the 30s was a radical shift even yeah. though there was a long build up to it
1: yeah. yeah absolutely right so that's where I that's where I think cube comes in Yeah, is it is, it is the shape of the next couple of years uh, and there's no other way about it fair enough Watch that one carefully.
0: Okay. Well, hey, man, this was great having you. I think this is probably a good time to wrap it up. Uh, I We had some technical difficulties. We did what we could, but uh, I'll hopefully be able to salvage a bunch of this out. Yeah, and, uh, and we'll get a like. I I I've learned a lot from this. This is good.
1: I hope so. And if uh, I do come back on this, being my first actual real uh, speaking event of any kind,
0: uh, <laughs> other than just me and you bantering in the office, you, you flatter us. Uh, we have like one list one like, listener. We have like five me. listeners, and one of them's my mom. <laughs> so
1: what I, I do hope that if I were to come back on next time, I I, I rambled a bit, but I, I hope the, a few points came across, uh, and certainly I would come back. For me i would come back with a little more concise uh, knowing now how these go a bit more of a concise uh, readout of things that we
0: could discuss oh that's good dude all right well thanks very much yeah
1: thanks for the whiskey yeah.
0: the best things in life are free but you can give them to Well, uh, I'm talking to not a banker, so of course I'm going to go full camp and use Barrett Strong's 1959 hit Money. That's what I want. It's a song that's been covered by the Sonics, the Doors, Boys to Men, the Rolling Stones, not just the Beatles, but two Beatles on solo records. So, across multiple generations, the almighty dollar has been at the forefront of people's minds which tells us things have probably really not changed one iota food for thought anyway don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose well is it weekly ah it's up for debate of whiskey and rocks you can help us out even more if you spread the word and share us on facebook and follow us on elon musk's hellscape we are at whiskey and rocks one all links are in the description Thanks again for listening and stay tuned for more 320 Club.